Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. something just out of reach. Power, pleasure, success, approval, wealth, wisdom. Solomon obtained all of these, yet at the end of his life, he said, it is only vapor, meaningless, like chasing the wind. But what if there's more to life? What if there's something worth the chase? Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to those of you that are dads in the room. I want to welcome you. I think we can all agree that Whatcom County needs a touch from our Heavenly Father. And I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to hear from Him, because I'll tell you what, if you only hear from me today, you waste your time. So we're going to take a moment and just quietly pray. I'm going to ask you just to quiet your heart in the presence of God, and then I will pray for us, and then we'll dive into Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Would you just take a moment together? Let's pray. Father God, speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. I had two amazing grandfathers, William Fishbook, otherwise known as Bill, was about five foot two. He was a humble farmer with a second grade education that could speak nine languages fluently. He was a kind man with a tender heart. Alvin Smith, my other grandfather, my mom went from being a Smith to a fish book. She must have done something really bad, just saying. Um, Alvin Smith was a humble farmer too. Alvin lost three fingers in an auger accident, so I've always known my grandpa as having a built-in hang-loose sign. And to this day, my family waves goodbye to each other this way in honor of Alvin. Both of my grandfathers, they were good men, they worked hard, they were farmers, they loved their families, they lived simple, uncluttered lives. And I remember having breakfast with both of them. 
Grandpa Smith made the best porridge ever because he had no limits or quota when it came to brown sugar. It was awesome. Grandpa Fishbook would make a mountain of toast out of Grandma's homemade bread. It was epic every time I had breakfast on the farm. But what sticks out to me more than anything was the coffee. My grandfathers both had coffee perks. Yeah, I think you called them percolators down here in the States. It's a lost art. You'd plug this thing in or boil it, and there would be this coffee grounds thing, and it would bubble up the middle, and it would make this incredible bloop, bloop, bloop sound, bloop, bloop, bloop sound, and that's what you'd wake up to, and it smelled good. Grandpa Smith said that his coffee could put hair on your chest. Grandpa Fishbook said that his coffee could take paint off a barn. I mean, I was too young for coffee back then. I'm not too young for coffee now. I live off the stuff, and I'll tell you something. Today, on Father's Day, I'd give anything, anything, to sit down with my grandpas and have a cup of coffee and ask some questions. They've both been gone for a really, really long time, but I would do just about anything to sit and bask in their wisdom for, for just a moment to be able to sit at a table with them and engage in them sharing the simple wisdom that comes from living a really long, simple life. So today, I'd like to invite you to breakfast with Grandpa. We're going to sit down together. I want you to come. I want you to put your hands on the plastic tablecloth because everything was covered in plastic at Grandpa and Grandma's house. You remember that, right? I want you to smell the, the coffee and the toast and, and, and mix in a little Old Spice. I mean, I want you to have breakfast today. Today we're going to listen to Grandpa Solomon. He has been talking to us for six chapters. We're doing one chapter a week. So we're in week number seven, chapter number seven for six chapters. He's been railing on us about making your life meaningful. He's taking a long rear view approach to life and he so desperately wants us to learn from his mistakes, from his pain, because what he doesn't want for us is to end up where he ended up standing at the end of a very successful life saying it's meaningless, just a vapor. For six chapters, he's been giving us reasons why we should listen. If you uh, appreciate the, the, the old Hebrew, he's been a little braggadocious on his platform, just to be honest. He's been coming to us for six chapters saying, you people got nothing on me. You got nothing on me. I've had more power than you will ever have. I'm the king of Jerusalem. I've had more money than you'll ever have. I am the richest man in the world. I've had more success than you'll ever have. I mean, I climbed to the top of the corporate ladder and they ran out of rungs. So I built a couple extra rungs and I aspired and got to levels that you only dream of getting to. He would say, I've had more influence than you've ever had. I mean, you hang out with your friends. I hang out with kings and queens. He would say, I've had more sex than you've ever dreamed of having. I've had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's like 300 casual sex partners. He's the epitome of no strings attached. He would say, I've had more pleasure than you could ever dream of. I didn't just chase it. I got it. He would say, I, I've, I don't just have a little backyard garden plot. I planted national forests. He would say, I didn't just build a little real estate project on the side. Solomon's house took 14 years to build and 153,000 construction workers. Wrap your head around that. He built houses for every single one of his wives. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying he should have. In fact, I'm saying it's wrong and God got in his face over it. 
Solomon would say, I threw parties. You guys throw parties? You don't even know what a party is. Solomon's parties had guest lists of 20,000 people and lasted for a week. And when he was done feeding and drinking with all of them, it didn't even scratch the surface of what he had in his storehouses. Solomon would say, I'm all that. You have never reached my level of success or excess. And now he's saying, I'm at the end of my life. I'm close to dying. And I got a couple of things that I'd like to say because I need to set the record straight. Here's a question. Are we humble enough to listen to this man's 2,500-year-old wisdom? Are we so arrogant to think I got nothing to learn from him? Staying in a position of learning is key if we're going to hear what grandpa has to say today. My first year as a senior pastor, I got invited to Dallas for a meeting of young mega church pastors, whatever in the world that is, all right? And I sat in a room filled with young pastors and veterans of ministry. I look back on those days in Dallas, and the one thing that breaks my heart is there's only a tiny handful of us left from that room still doing ministry. The guy who invited me to come to the room said, Grant, here's what's going to happen. At lunchtime, there's going to be two celebrity pastors, whatever that is, two celebrities in the room, and everybody in the room is going to chase the celebrities. They want to have lunch with the celebrity pastors. They want to sit down. What they don't know is the celebrity pastors are both going to the airport, so they're going to get to the sidewalk outside and be really disappointed. Just hang back. So I did. I hung back. And sure enough, as soon as they said, it's lunchtime, the two celebrities headed for the door and everybody started chasing those guys. And I hung out and I found myself sitting beside five older guys. They all kind of looked at each other. And I remember one of them saying, I know where we rank. And one of them looked at me and one of them looked at them and said, you want to go for lunch? And I'm like, sure, sure, let's go for lunch. I had lunch with Pastor Larry Osborne from North Coast, one of the largest multi-site churches in the country. Bob Buford, who ran one of the largest cable companies in the entire United States. Pastor, Pastor Wayne Cordero from New Hope in Hawaii. Pastor Pete Briscoe from Bentry Bible Fellowship. And Pastor Bob Roberts. If you don't know any of their names, they're legends in my world. Like these guys are at the top of the food chain. And I got to go to a little Italian restaurant around the corner, and they ate lunch, and I did not. I feasted on their wisdom. I asked questions for over an hour. I learned from their mistakes and from their victories. I needed to stay in a posture of learning, because I'll tell you what, some of the things that they taught me that day, I'm still hanging on to today. Grandpa Solomon doesn't want to have lunch with you. He wants to have breakfast. He wants to share some rich and some hard lessons. So I want you to, to grab your, your cup of coffee. I want you to put whatever you need to in it to make it just perfect. I want you to pick up a piece from the mountain of toast sitting on the table. And we're just going to let him talk. I'm going to warn you on the front end. He's got some very tough things to say. Some things you can only hear from your grandpa. So you better put your seatbelt on, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Solomon says this. A good name is better than fine perfume. And the day of death better than the day of birth. You can't really see it in English, but there's a funny little wordplay here in Hebrew. It's actually quite funny. The word, uh, Hebrew word for name and perfume are only different by a single little letter. So grandpa cracks a joke right out of the gate. Grandpa's got a sense of humor. He makes everybody giggle and he does that because what he's going to say next is not going to make anybody laugh. 
So he makes everybody kind of, kind of take a big deep breath, and then he says this. You douse yourself in cologne to make yourself smell pretty. You whiten your teeth. You do crunches till you puke. You color your hair. You get your nails done. You put the Just for Men formula in to tone down your salt and your pepper. You restrict your diet to stave off death. You hire a doctor to suck fat from one part of your body and put it somewhere else. You battle the end of your life from the outside in, and it's all vanity. I had some coffee this morning. I hope you're ready. (laughs) It's all on the outside. Grandpa's teaching the same lesson Jesus taught to the Pharisees. He showed up one day and said, I got a name for you guys. You're whitewashed tombs. You're pretty on the outside, but in the inside, you stink. Because you religious people, you're pretty on the outside. You got all your religious costumes and your rituals, but inside of you, it smells like death and no perfume is ever going to cover up that smell. Here's the lesson from grandpa. Any external changes you make are meaningless if your name is worthless. You know why? Because your name actually matters. Character trumps beauty every single time. I mean, I'm learning something right now. Your body will degrade over time. But that doesn't have to happen to your character. Your character can grow and get better. I'm learning something as I'm getting over. Gravity is going to win, but integrity lasts forever. Okay? I mean, Solomon had every external perk of life, but at breakfast, he he slows everything down. He goes, I need you to know something. Your name actually matters. Who you are. It matters more than anything that you can do to the external. Your depth of character matters more than your outward shell. I'm going to embarrass somebody sitting in the service right now. At least I believe that here. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching Jeff Butcher out in the commons. He was in the commons talking to his son. Hi, Jeff. Sorry, buddy. Didn't ask your permission. Going to talk about you anyway. All right. Um, I saw Jeff talking to his son, Nate. They were just having a conversation. And while Jeff was talking to his son, Nate, his grandson, Teddy, was wrapped around his neck. And all I could think of was this. How awesome is it that three generations want to share the same space? Jeff, I want to be like you when I grow up. I want to say you are a rich, rich, rich man. I mean, all the anti-aging creams in the world can't hold a family together, but birthing real character, that's good glue. I saw it with my own eyes. I got a question for you. Which do you want more, a nice, tidy outside package or the kind of love and character that attracts three generations to be in one place at one time? I know which one I want. Grandpa pushes the the toast plate towards you because you you never quite eat enough and he fills your coffee one more time and he keeps talking. Verse number two, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Here's the lesson. I I hate to break it to you. You're all going to (laughs) die. It's going to happen. Death's inevitable. That's what makes living so precious. Solomon's at the end of his life. And here's the lesson. How you finish your life is more important than how you start. I mean, think about it. We all start exactly the same way, right? Slimy and screaming. It's the same for all of us, right? We emerge, we get spanked, we start screaming. It's welcome to the world. We're glad you're here. When you think about it, birth is really all about potential, right? 
at birth, you've got your whole life in front of you. It's exciting, but it looks so different as you move through life. I mean, I am starting to get older. I don't want to admit it. I'm not the young kid on the block anymore. I don't qualify for the young pastor gatherings. And here's the craziest thing. I could have sworn I was 28 yesterday. Now, I got up this morning, I got hair growing out of my ears. When did that happen? (laughs) What conspiracy is going on, right? Oh my goodness. The days get longer, the years get shorter. Have you noticed that? Well, birth is all about potential. Death, the end of life, becomes all about perspective. Chapter 7 is all about perspective. I mean, in verse number 10... He actually says this, and boy, some of the older generation, you should listen to your friend Solomon. He says this, do not say, why were the good old days better than these? Don't say that. You know why? Because your good old days were not nearly as good as you remember them to be. You've romanticized them. You build them up in your mind. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and grandpa would talk about the good old days and I wanted to put up my hand and say, grandpa... You lived through the Great Depression. You just about starved to death. (laughs) It's a different perspective. The great theologian Andy Bernard from The Office said this. (laughs) I lost half the room, gained the other. That's good, all right? Um, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you actually left them. Verse number 14, Solomon says, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. He wants us to have a forward-thinking perspective. He also wants us to be able to look in the rearview mirror and understand that God is walking through all of it, the good and the bad. You know, perspective is fascinating to me. Because I watch the news and I hear things. You know, a, a plane falls out of the sky and it's a, tragi- it's a tragedy. Don't think I'm making light of it. But, but people standing on the tarmac are asking the question, you know, where was God in that moment? People needed help. Why didn't he, why didn't he do something? He was asleep at the wheel. And we focus on that and we never give a second thought to the fact that tomorrow... 470,000 flights are going to take off and safely land in this country alone, and we probably never give that a second thought. We never stop and go, God, thank you so much for watching over all of that. It's perspective. And looking back, we we see the richness of God's hand and faithfulness, because I'm going to remind you, Grandpa Solomon wants you to know something. It's the same hand of God that walks you from the cradle to the grave. Okay, grab another piece of toast. Put some strawberry jam on it. It tastes good, doesn't it? Let's warm up the coffee. Solomon takes a breath. Verse number three, frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. That flies in the face of contemporary wisdom, doesn't it? The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Boy, here comes a tough lesson from Grandpa. I can picture him. He pulls his chair a little bit closer, runs his hand over the plastic tablecloth because he's going to share something we don't want to hear. Here's the lesson. You learn more from pain than from a party. You don't grow at a party spiritually. You don't expand your character at a party, but boy, you can learn about life at a funeral. 
We avoid funerals at all costs. Why? Because we don't want to have those learning moments. It's just painful. Could it be that the reason we avoid funerals at all costs and spend our life going to parties is because we're afraid of learning lesson number two? You can look back at that in a moment. I mean, pain is a tough teacher, and Grandpa's saying, don't run from him. Don't run. C.S. Lewis said we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That's a tough lesson right there because it's so countercultural. Culture says numb your pain. Don't deal with it. Push it off and do that for the rest of your life. Run to an alternative. It's going to be okay for you. That's why culture says it's all right. Run to the strip club, run to the porn shop, run to the casino, the liquor store, or the dealer. And some of you are just like, come on, Grant, talk in language that we can understand. That's not me. Okay, let's do that. So we're not running to that, but we run to the relationship that doesn't have God in the center. We run to the gaming group that lives in an alternative reality because we don't want to live in the one that we've actually got. We run to the fridge. We run to anything that numbs the reality and refuse to learn the lessons that will serve us well if we simply realize this life is temporary, but there's an eternal one waiting. Some of you are thinking, Grant, why are you talking to us this way? I'm not talking. Grandpa is. I'm just the parrot. And before grandpa puts the toast on hold, I'll say it another way. Fools run to the house of pleasure, which never lasts. But the wise person goes to the house of mourning where they run into other wise friends who are learning how to really live a meaningful life before we all reach our inevitable end or Jesus comes home. By the way, I'm praying that Jesus comes back today. I think it would be awesome. Before two o'clock would be perfect for me. I don't know about you. Now, here's the deal. You can ignore this if you want to, right? We're pretty good at that, right? You know, our grandparents, we kind of have this thought about, you know, well, they just don't get it. They're, they don't live in, in my world. I'm amazed that this is 2,500 to 3,000-year-old wisdom because it feels like it was written yesterday. You can ignore it if you want to, but before you ignore it, I, I would encourage you to listen to Grandpa in verse number five. He says, it's better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. At another time in his life, Solomon said these words, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy just multiplies kisses. He's saying better to take an arrow of truth from a friend than to have a group of people sitting around you humming the Lego theme song as everything is awesome in your ear when it's actually not. You remember the first lesson that we learned about your name and your reputation? Let me ask a question. Who do you have in your life that you would trust with the question, What's my reputation? Who do you have in your life that, that you would open your heart to be wounded by if it meant they could love you enough to simply speak the truth? Who are you that kind of a friend to and, and, and who's that kind of a friend to you? It takes courage to wisely seek out truth about your character and your integrity. Here's the lesson. Your real friends will love you enough to say what you don't want to hear. Let me say that again. Your real friends will love you enough to say what you don't want to hear. That's what actually proves the worth of their friendship. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I would rather a friend hurt my feelings than harm my soul through neglect. How about you? One more lesson, because breakfast is getting cold. Solomon leans back in his chair, and, and, and he whispers one more. Chapter 7, verse 6. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Some of you are like, I don't know what that means. I didn't either until I started studying it. I'm watching one of those uh, live first responder shows. Have you seen those TV shows? You know, live PD or live first responder or live EMT. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. I just like to see what's going on out there in the real world. And, and these two young medics are, are sent out to a scene. They've been told ahead of time there are severe burns on two different victims. And they go into it preparing themselves. And as they get there, the story unfolds and it's, it's simple. Two young men both of which were so highly intoxicated, one of them was on fire and didn't know it. Then his friend noticed it, tried to put it out. He caught himself on fire in the same physical condition as his friend was, and they both end up sitting on the side of a street corner with their skin hanging off of their bodies, and they were giggling. They were just laughing. And one of the medics said this, they're not going to be laughing in an hour. Here's Solomon's life lesson. Don't deny the fact if and when you're on fire. Grandpa says, my granddaughters, my grandsons, a fool would rather live in complete denial about their own condition and burn to death than wake up when a friend says, excuse me, you're on fire. Now, don't be too quick to dismiss grandpa because if you'll allow me, I, I would love to be for just a moment the friend that he describes in verse number five because I'm going to make a promise to you. I don't care what culture says is right or wrong. If I see you burning, if I see you melting, your life going up in flames, I'm not just going to pretend that everything's okay, even if you tell me that. Even if you say, no, Grant, I'm fine. Everything's good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're managing our image. Everything is just perfect in my world. I'm going to love you enough in that moment. If I see your world going up in flames, I'm going to try and be the kind of friend that screams at the top of his lungs, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're on fire. And I would pray that you'd do the same for me. That if you saw me walking in the wrong direction, that you would tackle me at the door and say, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. Let me talk to the dads in the room for just a moment as we bring this to a close. Dads, I've been a pastor for a long time. I'm coming up on 30 years. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. And I'm going to remind you, the responsibility of a father comes from the example of our heavenly father, that when he sensed distance between he and his kids, he took a step towards them. He went first. By sending his only son, he paid an unbelievable 
price. Dads, today may be the day you need to go home and write the letter or pick up the phone or do whatever you do. It doesn't matter how the kid on the other end responds. It matters whether or not you're obedient and follow your heavenly father's example. Take a step. Not how you started, it's how you finish. Dad, your name actually matters. Your character matters. Your integrity matters. I know this for a fact because I'm a dad. Fathering is no laughing matter, especially in this culture. It's no laughing matter. And even if you're on fire today, you need to understand that there's a heavenly father who loves you, who will walk you back onto the path that maybe you abandoned because of your own free will. I am calling you, just like Grandpa Solomon would call you, to simply be the dad that God called you to be. Amen. We need you. This culture is fatherless. We need you. And to all the moms who stepped in and picked up the slack, thank God for you. All right. Caffeine's wearing off. Need another cup. Solomon's going to make a confession to us. He gets to chapter 7. He kind of changes his tone. He's been laying it out for us, but now in chapter 7, we're going to find out again in chapter 8, he's going to kick it up a whole other notch next week. But he basically is saying, for far too long, I convinced myself it was all good, that it was all the chasing, that it was good. But now I'm at the end of my life, and here, here's where I sit right in this moment, just in the first six verses. I'm done giggling while the people around me burn. I'm going to speak truth. He's gotten to the place where, where Solomon would say, I'm too old to care what you think. Some of you know, you've had grandparents that got to that point, right? It's just like, I'm going to say whatever I'm going to say. I'm 94 years old. What are you going to do? Fire grandma? Not going to happen, right? <laughs> so sit down, pick up your coffee cup and listen. I'm going to pour out some wisdom here. Get it. All right? Get it. Solomon just keeps pleading, I'm calling you back to the truth. I'm calling you back to the truth. I want your life to be meaningful, not meaningless. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 18 says this, it's good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. I believe he's talking about grace and truth. You've got to hold them at the same time in tension. He goes on and finishes that verse. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. The extreme of neglect, the extreme of legalism. God says, if you want to find the sweet spot, get up close to your heavenly Father and take some wisdom from a grandpa who needs a nap now. He's tired. So we're going to let Grandpa Solomon rest for a week. He's going to go off to his recliner. He's going to sit down. He's going to snore, and we're all going to laugh. But then he's going to wake up again because he's got more to say. And as we're considering his wisdom, my encouragement to all of us would be, let him who has ears to hear actually hear and learn and obey and live. Let's pray. God, I thank you for an older, wiser Solomon who uh, 
who loved us enough to write down some of his pain and to, to bring wisdom to us to say, please, please don't make the mistakes I made. Please understand the lessons you learn at the, at the house of mourning. Please understand that your name is so much more important than what you drape on the outside of you. Please learn that, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. You need people in your life. God, thank you so much for Solomon's wisdom. I pray that as your Holy Spirit has prompted us, God, I pray that we would hear, listen, and obey. God, I thank you for this, this Father's Day weekend, another opportunity to learn. God, I thank you that we have a heavenly Father in heaven who has lavished his love on his children. God, may we not ignore that today. God, I pray that as we leave here today, we would have a crystal clear vision of how much our Father loves us. And may it motivate us, God, to live out that love in a world that so desperately needs it. So God, help us to see you clearly. Through the lens of Solomon's wisdom, God, may our lives be different because of who you are today. And we pray this in Jesus' good name and all God's people said. Amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at CTK. Church.